Okie dokie, guys. Welcome to Coffee Plus, where we have candid conversations about the mind, body, spirit, and just, um, you know, sharing our voices about things we care about, think about, and thank you all for tuning in. I'm Virginia, and we have a special guest today. Hi, I'm Pat. I love that. <laughs> Uh, so, um, Pat, we go way back, um, but uh, recently we can't cross paths in the rock climbing world. And uh, we have a bunch of mutual friends. I feel like the community is super small. It's small but big, you know? It's yeah. kind of like uh, you live on out in this like ocean and there's like different places, but there's definitely a singularity of, uh, that connects you like, mm -hmm. throughout Mm -hmm. Like Greg. Yeah, so Greg is someone who connects pretty much everybody in our circle. Um, he used to be a student of mine uh, at Lifetime when I was teaching yoga there. And uh, actually it was from another rock climbing person that told him, hey, you need to come take yoga because we all need to do some stretchy stretch time uh, when we're rock climbers. Everything is pull, 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 and yoga is push, push, push. Huh, I never thought about it. Yeah, that. it's a counterbalance. Yeah. Uh, and I met Greg when I was 12. Jesus um, Christ. <laughs> and uh, he taught me how to rock climb, so... Are you serious? Yeah. Wow, you know it's funny? He actually introduced rock climbing to so many people. Yeah. Calm. She didn't rock climb before she met Greg. And um, so her first rock climbing experience was actually indoors. Interesting. So Calm is someone we mutually know. Uh, we call her the parking pimp because she always manages to pick up guys in the Great Falls parking lot to go climb with her. So, um, and to give a little quick background about Calm, she's like this 65-year-old Thai woman who's just badass. She kicks ass and takes names all day, every day, 365. Yeah, she's a first responder. She's a nurse. Is she a first responder? She's a nurse. Oh, are nurses considered first responders? I think so, aren't they? I thought they were frontline workers. Oh, yes, frontline workers. Yeah, first responders would be like EMT, EMTs paramedic, like firefighter. Well, she works with the elderly, so... Uh-huh. I feel like you're always a first responder there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, for sure, right? <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So she climbs, she helps people, and then uh, she... Make sure that we She's know wild. the best restaurants in the Northern Virginia area. Well, what I also love about her is she talks like me. Right now, I'm not cursing up a storm, but usually the word fuck flies out of my mouth like three times in one sentence kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, this woman, I aspire to be her because she cursed more than I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking like very graphic, very raunchy type com comments. Um, yeah. Like... Now, put your finger in the pussy hole. We're talking like on the wall at Great Falls. We're talking just a route at Great Falls. She's like, keep it tight like virgin, like the rope, you know, when we're top roping. And I'm like, I love this woman. I want to be her when I grow up. Huh. That might have been why I didn't get introduced to Calm until I turned 18, honestly. <laughs> um, so I've been climbing with Greg since I was 12. Met a couple other people through him. Tulip. Yeah, yeah. He gave me my first rock climbing shoes. Greg just would take me everywhere. He's like my climbing dad. Um, I actually, it took me a minute to uh, 
I've been reconciliating all my my memories and stuff like that, and it's starting to come together, the where people fit, right? Uh, but Greg has definitely been a huge part of my life. Um, I met him when I was 12. Uh, my mom passed away when I was 13. And when I was 13 is when I really started getting into climbing because uh, kind of used it to as a grieving tool. Mm. Um, I don't know. Some people use yoga. Some people use running. Uh, mm -hmm. Rock climbing seemed to be what captured uh that whole uh, part of my life, uh, and I've been climbing ever since. That's awesome. So, um, can you tell everybody a little bit about your background from, you know, where you came from and your journey and all that good stuff? Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so, a little bit about me. Um, I came to the U.S. when I was six, uh, so I'm first generation here. Uh, my parents were pretty young. Uh, they left Peru uh, in the 1990s. Uh, that's kind of 06. Um, and they lived through some terrorism, which has shaped me a little bit of who the person I am right now. Um, from that, I did high school, did went into the Marine Corps. Um, I don't know. It's it's been kind of a it's been kind of a ride. I just kind of been doing life. I guess uh, recently I started just taking charge of life. Uh, I know it's, it sounds kind of ridiculous because now I'm in my thirties and uh, when people are like, um, "What do you mean?" Uh, I mean, um, I've been told my whole life what to do or how to be, and recently I've just kind of said, "Enough. I'm just gonna do me." Um, which is probably why we're connecting so well at this point is because you kind of do the same. Um, but let's see. My mom passed away when I was 13. Uh, my dad got me involved in Sea Cadet, so the military became ingrained into who I was going to be. Did ROTC, was in uh, a crappy relationship that led me further into the military, which means I ended up in the Marine Corps, of course. Um, and then got out went to school, did the job thing, uh, married someone that I barely knew, and uh, got divorced. <laughs> uh, surprise there. <laughs> you never know. It might have lasted. You never know, right? Um, but um, moved to Chicago for a couple of years. Uh, kind of needed to find myself. Uh, got sick. Found myself. Uh, not in Chicago, but in... Uh, a hospital bed for two months so uh, I think it's uh, it's been a learning process uh, you know when people say uh, you got to hit rock bottom in order to like actually start rising I think uh, I don't think you need to hit rock bottom but some people are a little bit more hard-headed than others <laughs> and I fall into that hard-headed <clears throat> part uh, since then um, you know I've been lucky enough that uh, year before that I got a service dog through an organization called War Dogs and so I've had a buddy for the whole entire time since that's happened and uh, been making different life choices that hopefully don't lead me back into whatever that was. Oh, okay. I just think I figured it out. Oh, well, that's too much, too much, too much. 
Okay. I'm messing with tech. Okay. Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Okay. So there was a lot to unpack there, Pat. Yeah. Dude. Okay. Uh, if I may ask you a little bit about your experience in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, so uh, kind of ironic. Um, I went into the Marine Corps for two particular reasons. Uh, one, um, I, it's, it's not like I didn't want to serve my country, but I saw it as an out. Out of uh, Centerville, out of Northern Virginia, I wanted to see the world. I wanted to experience different cultures, and the Marine Corps is one of those that they—that's what they sell you. You know, uh, you go to a recruiter, they ask you what you want to do, and you tell them I want to travel. I'm curious. Sidebar: yeah. Did you go to the Marine Corps recruitment office right there in Chantilly? Uh, so I didn't have to go to the uh, recruitment. Um, Station in Chantilly because uh, I had a family member that was coming back from the Marine Corps, so he recruited me. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I'm always curious why people pick those particular branches. So it just seems like you had the influence in your family from the Marines. I was in um, Army <clears throat> ROTC when uh, I got recruited into the Marine Corps. I spiffed my beautiful contract to go and be an officer to go be enlisted in the Marine Corps. <laughs> and that's how you know I was okay with being a Marine. <laughs> uh. um, but no, um, it wasn't out of Chantilly. It was in Arlington, I think. Mm -hmm. That was my recruiting station. And how long did you serve in the Marines? So I was active for four. Did a couple activations uh, when I came out as a reserve. And did ROTC for three at Mason. Um, all great experiences. Uh when it came down to going back into the military, I was medically disqualified because of injuries I sustained during the Marine Corps. So. Okay, so let's. Can we talk a little bit about that? You did you experience like PTSD or? Yeah. Um. What What sort of ensued? Because I know you have a service dog now. Um. Can so this will be sort of a segue into, um, that if you want to talk about it. Yeah. Um. So let's see. Um. Rizzo helps me with both PTSD, uh, seizures, and migraines. Um, seizures uh, have come due to the migraines. The migraines came due to a TBI to the head okay. um, while I was in the military. And uh, PTSD comes from a couple of various, uh, various things, uh, both um, in the military and out of the military. Um, I think at this point... Uh, um, when people experience uh, post-traumatic stress, like, the more you experience it doesn't necessarily always mean that you're more resilient. It's just that that might make things worse. Um, before going into the Marine Corps, I was in a uh, long-term relationship for about three years with a female um, who uh, put me in the hospital a couple times. Oh, wait, hold on one second. Backpedal. You said you dated someone that put you in the hospital? Yeah. She, she beat you? me. <gasps> she beat me. So, oh my um, I think, um, that, and I know we were talking, we're going to talk about sex and like, um, part yeah, of let's the, jump, let's part of, into whatever you well, want. Well, part know. of the reason, right, I bring this up is, uh, PTSD, right? Um, um, so when I was talking to you earlier about, uh, being introduced to sex as a very negative, not mm -hmm. necessarily a positive experience in life, uh, it came from that relationship. Um, that relationship both was uh, physically, emotionally, and sexually, like, um, uh, what do you call, abusive. 
Um, I was I was one of those kids that um, played soccer. Uh, I played sports in school. I was outgoing. I was all of those things, and then uh, one day I wasn't. You know, um, my dad. Uh, um, he's a single parent, so I put him through hell. Um, and the person that I was dating at the time uh, was putting me through hell. So uh, I I just ended up in a string of like trying to uh, appease the person that I was with, uh, and either uh, both sexually and emotionally, uh, but um, it became a, just a roller coaster effect. And I think uh, the last part of it was uh, when that person uh, literally, um, um, I ended up going to, uh, to Fort Bliss at, the, at that time. Um, they were in the military, they were in the army. And that was another reason why I didn't join the army at that point, because I had like the most fear of joining a military branch that I would end up anywhere near station that near that person. Um, but um, I was down there because I thought they were the, like, the love of my life. <laughs> you, you know how that goes. We'd been dating for like three years and uh, I didn't know any better. And they tried to run me over. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, because I was trying to leave. Um, they had just uh, roofied me the night before. And um, I went to the airport and was trying to leave. And I don't remember everything about it because I've been kind of talking about it with my therapist. But I do remember that that was the point where I felt the most helpless. Um, when I was roofied, I think... Uh, it kind of goes back into the, the feeling of feeling empty and not feeling like a person, you know. But the other point, the point of it was the fact that even after that, I felt like I couldn't escape. Um, so uh, I got back to Virginia, and about uh, four weeks later, I was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> uh, my dad didn't really kind of understand why I wanted to join the Marine Corps, uh, but the reason I joined the Marine Corps was to kind of do what a lot of people do. I wanted to be strong. I didn't want to ever feel that, that way. And uh, the Marine Corps did that. The Marine Corps did that for a while. Um, they taught me how to defend myself, taught me how to shoot a gun. They taught me how to fend for myself. Uh, things that you don't necessarily learn uh, as a female in like today's civilian. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of BS. Honestly, I think self-defense should be taught in schools, like in high school. I think that's a great idea. Um, but the other part of it, it was, um, I wanted to get out of here. Like I had just gone through a very dramatic experience in my life and, uh, um, I, I was happy leaving. Like, um, my dad kicked me out of the house. I lived at a friend's house for about two weeks before joining the Marine Corps. Me and my dad didn't speak for two years because he didn't didn't really understand what was going on. Of you joining the military? Yeah. Oh no, me joining the Marine Corps, and not going to college. Uh, that, yeah, that's why. Yeah, because yeah. he had worked his whole life for me to go to know, college. Okay. Go to college, do do it that way. You know, it's, <clears throat> he was okay with me doing officer. He like had signed for the papers for me to be an officer and stuff. 
But so, you wanted you to go to college first. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ROTC is like in college, you know, like, but I just needed to leave. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel safe. Um, and in the Marine Corps, at the time that I joined, you weren't allowed to be gay. So, uh, uh, suppressing my uh, sexual orientation was not only uh, something that uh, I needed to do, but something that was that I was supposed to do. Um, so, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in effect, and, uh, and I used that as an opportunity to just be me. Uh, not have a, uh, anything to do with like my sexuality or anything like that. Um, I dated people under the radar and stuff, uh, but I did date guys. I explored that a lot more. Um, I dated really nice guys um, and really dumb guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I dated guys that I still talk to till this day. Um, I think uh, that... That's something that I'm really happy I got a chance to do. And I don't think I would have been able to do that without the Marine Corps. The other part, though, <laughs> I also met slimeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, the Marine Corps is not um, is not a place where you go and just pretend like kumbaya, everybody's your brother and your sister kind of stuff. Um, I got date raped by another Marine while I was in the service. And um, some of my PTSD comes from that. Some of my PTSD comes from uh, services that I did for the Marine Corps. Um, and that's, it sounds kind of shitty, right? Because um, we talk about sexual assault, like um, there's a Marine somewhere that wore the same uniform I did that did something really horrible to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the choices in the judicial system in the Marine Corps are the same in, in the real world where... If you report it, all of a sudden you're on trial. So I chose not to. But um, when I got to uh, my unit back in the state, I became a sexual assault advocate. And I helped make those reports. I helped people that had been going through stuff like that, um, which, was, which was nice. But uh, it's taken, I guess, over decades for me to get comfortable with that. And for me to say it out loud, like, um, I know that I've had, um, a lot of relationships that, uh, sex has been a very much sticking point of, like, what I'm okay with, what I'm not okay with, um, and there was a point where I was okay with a lot of things because I was on a lot of drugs, so I didn't really care, um, and then there's other points where I wasn't okay with anything because I was scared, um, and I think, uh, whether you're bi, gay, straight, it doesn't matter. You have a negative experience, like, it changes the way you look at sex. Um, recently, uh, I've seen a sex therapist, you know, and uh, trying to get with yourself, right? Like, uh, a lot of my memory lost, uh, besides the seizures and stuff, has been because of, I, de- I just decided to deassociate. I've been through so much trauma that somewhere between August and stuff, I, my mind decided to just say, screw it. Let's take a break. And I never understood that, but I've been reading up on it, and apparently people do that. People do that on a normal basis. So if, like, you're having sex and you're not there, it's because you're deassociating. And somewhere in August, I decided to deassociate from all of life. (laughs) 
So, is that like compartmentalizing? Is that the same thing or no? Um, dissociation is basically you separating yourself from what's happening. Yeah. Oh, so, um, living, um, my dog is still playing. Um, my, my trauma and stuff like that, you know, like whether it's comes from military, natural disasters, sexual assault, um, somewhere along the way in August, uh, my, my mind and my body were like, we need to shut this down before this person like dies. <laughs> and August of last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's recent. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it happened in August and, um, my negative memories started coming back first. Uh, recently I've been kind of recalibrating and getting some of the happy memories. Um, and it takes a lot of work it, to remap um, those those feelings and memories. Um, I still don't know if I'll ever really connect all the dots, but um, Greg uh, um, climbing stuff like uh, after our last session that we had here, I I really wanted to just dig a little bit more on it, and my therapist has been really great with that. Like, what does climbing mean to me? Where where did it fit in my life? Is it a positive or a negative? Uh, and I think um, climbing has been both a positive and a negative. Um, I met my first wife in climbing. Mm -hmm. um, I also saw a relationship that I'd been with uh, for close to half a decade end in climbing. Um, I relate climbing to when I was grieving. Mm. Um, I, I think, uh, recently climbing has become more of like a holistic thing where I relate more to recovery than, uh, than grieving, which is kind of a weird connection because, uh, I don't know if, if you've had that, like that experience where like, do you connect, how do you connect to yoga? You know, how do you connect to shooting like are you con connecting to those things because they're negative or positive or I guess I'll leave that to you like so all those things um thank you first of all for sharing such a vulnerable piece I think um it's so important to be able to voice from that place of authenticity and that sometimes it's scary because it's so vulnerable to be real you know um climbing shooting sex even like I, I can get into it a little bit um but surface level but um I got involved with a dynamic that happened to be a catalyst for a really tragic breakup for me and uh I have since turn that event into a positive healing one something that i look forward to so the event itself is neutral uh but something traumatic happened because of that event i could have associated with that just like climbing for you at one point was to process your grief yeah then now it's at a place that it, it presents holistic healing or recovery mental reprieve so everything is neutral until we decide it not to be so it either could be um, painful and toxic, yeah. or it could be healing and cathartic. Which is weird, right? 
We we give things meaning. Because, because we we are the absolute creature that is giving it meaning because we are sentient and we can we have this mind. And that's why I believe now, especially, I've done so much work on myself. And I find that when I get stuck in anxiety or depression or in this looping or frozen times, it's because I'm in my mind. And it's usually rewinding something to a point where my ego recognizes that as a norm. So then I repeat that, even though it's not what I want. It recurs and recurs and recurs but it goes against what I really, really want. And the only reason it does that is because I'm just used to it. It's become my new norm. Just like some people, it's normal for them to get up at 6 a.m., you know, coffee. They have their regiment down, right? Yeah. And that's why I believe Jocko Willick says discipline equals freedom. And having these solid rituals at the bookends of our day, for example, sort of gives us a little bit of framework. I really, like nine out of 10 times, I will make up my bed in the morning. Sometimes I just need to not make up my bed. <laughs> That's what I call slack, right? So mental bandwidth has a limited resource for us every day. And we have only a limited amount of bandwidth. So if I'm always one way, well, granted, I always have to brush my teeth. But if I don't, will I stress out about it? Well, I'll probably feel a little icky, but it's not the end of the world, right? Um... A lot of this is also first world problems. Like we have the luxury of many things that many, many people around the, in the world that don't have, right? They're, they're still in that primal survival mode where when am I going to eat again? When will I have clean water? Uh, will I have a roof over my head? So um, I think it's interesting you say that. Um, I think safety, right? Safety. It's, safety and security is basal level. Yeah. So... Um, during the pandemic, uh, people's safety has been kind of shook. Disrupted, 100%. This is why people are going crazy. Yeah. And uh, so, like, for me, I guess uh, I'm fine with the pandemic because uh, I've kind of, I've been in that primal life for, like... You grew up like that. Yeah. So, for me, I don't know if um, it kind of became... I know it sounds kind of shitty, but, like, sorry. No, uh, don't, you're fine. But it, for once, like, uh, when people were feeling that not secure, uh, I could start relating to people. Mm. Um, I think um, the same way that I can relate to somebody that's gone through domestic violence. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not at the same level, but um, they've gone through domestic violence, like... Um, I can now relate to people on just, like, the safety factor, like, not feeling safe, you know? And it's weird. It's weird because I don't necessarily want it to r relate to them in that way at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, and that's that's the thing. Like, um, I, I always looked at um, the experience that I've gone through, something that I didn't want to necessarily relate to anybody else with because I didn't necessarily want to have that shared pain mm -hmm. um even when I was doing sexual assault advocacy like I didn't I never put forth that I had been sexually mm -hmm. uh, assaulted it was always like me taking care of them mm -hmm. and I think that's uh that's a very interesting thing like um I took myself out of that equation because I didn't want to feel and I don't know 
if it's given it meaning or or not given meaning that gave me a sense of power, you know. Um, the same way that I'm oh, still working. Yeah, I think we're uh, still good. Yeah, it the same way that uh, computer problems <laughs> might give you meaning now that you're um, shooting guns and uh, being extra strong and being ridiculously like good looking. Right? <gasps> oh, that's so sweet. Uh, no, but it just gives you a sense of independence and like um, kind of stuff where there's no way I could look at you and be like, oh my gosh, this she had a really bad breakup, you know? Like, you're not crying in a corner or anything like that. But You know, if I could just really quickly address that, for uh, quite a bit of years, like, way too much time. I mean, now, to to say this, I want to just say, it takes however long it takes, mm -hmm. and for everyone to be okay with that. But I think because I was directly involved in seeing it almost on a daily basis in my workplace... It, 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 um, I didn't have the space to really process because it was just a recurring live feed of my trauma. Like, I don't, by the way, I don't blame them. I don't point fingers. Um, not all, I'm also not saying they weren't part of it. Like, they had some accountability in what happened. However, I, I don't take the victim card now and just saying the logistics presented itself that um, I hadn't really been able to process through it until the year of the pandemic. So 2020, half of uh, 2020, the second half was when I really actually started to process and heal. And um, I was able to recognize um, areas of my life where I have done myself a disservice where I've disowned my own integrity and I've been working on that one of the big things for me was pe people pleasing um, I put myself last um, but I made full circle with that because I really enjoy helping others I enjoy serving them I enjoy making food I enjoy pleasing them and it's not out of like them accepting me I just enjoy the act of um, and uh, you know my pursuing of weaponry my fascination with that and I'm um, just really taking care of myself is because I realized well shit no one's gonna do this for me you know um, I waited a long time for someone to rescue me and no one came I waited a long time for my ex to quote-unquote wake up and come back to me like I thought those things I thought like you know, he'll know he made a mistake, he'll come back to me, and uh, guess what? None of that happened, you know? And um, when I realized he wasn't ever going to come back to me, that I needed to let it go, I will ironically say that I love him more today than I did ever when we were together, only because I let him go so that he may also have a second chance, so that I may too. That was huge for me to overcome because it was what was holding me back because I was, I was waiting for something to happen for me versus me taking charge of my life. And this is what you're saying now is like, okay, I'm just done waiting. You know, I'm just ready to move that needle somewhere beyond where I was. And, um, you know, sometimes I'll reflect back on my social media. I'm like, holy shit, was I in shape back then? Like, you didn't see me then, but I was like super ripped doing muscle ups and all this stuff. But 
I was emotionally so broken, like my heart was broken, but on the outside, you would never have been able to tell because I was so strong looking. I think I could, uh, I could relate to that, um, in the Marine Corps, you know, when, um, when shit happened, uh, um, I, I threw myself into my body, like, uh, my body's my weapon, you know, kind of stuff, uh, kind of went back to the basics of what I was taught in boot camp of how to protect myself. And, um, and I think, um, I made this, I, I just put barriers up, like barriers and barriers and barriers up that it's taken me a decade to kind of take down. And they served me then, but they don't serve me now. Right. So it's the same thing where you're talking about the strength that you developed in the Marine Corps. Yeah. So the strength that I had before, I'm still using that strength but in yeah. a very different fashion so to me someone asked me was, i call him apex because he's he's yeah. all wise anyway yeah <laughs> makes no sense he's a friend of my brother-in-law and he asked me he's like you know what are you thinking about when you shoot your fastest time and you hit the target i said you want to hear something funny he's like well what is it i said peace and i'm like i i can't tell you why but i feel at peace with me and he's like, I want you, he's like, every time you shoot, think that before you take the shot. And for me, weaponry represents strength that I can control, power that I can control. It's within my realm to either execute or not, right? So this does require, obviously, a sound mind and stuff like that. I'm also seeing weaponry as not necessarily to kill, but to defend and protect, I think about my nieces when I see them, when I went to see them this past week, um, I've been looking for my why, why am I here? What's the point purpose, all that stuff. And when I saw them and enjoyed their just pure love, I'm like, that's my why I want, who knows? I hope to never have to protect them in a way that, you know, heaven forbid things go sideways and I need to, we go down in like complete zombie apocalypse mode, you know, walking dead shit. Let's just hope that doesn't happen. Like our, our genes mutate because we have mRNA, like from the vaccine, whatever. I'm just giving some rando examples, but you never know what would happen. I just want to be ready. So my, my take with weaponry, again, the weaponry is neutral. No one, the gun doesn't shoot itself. It doesn't go to, you know, um, it, it doesn't mass kill. Someone has to fire that weapon. So the weapon itself is neutral, all right? Yeah. It's a weapon of destruction. A pencil can be a weapon of destruction. If you're in, like, Jason Bourne's hand, that pencil is a weapon of destruction. Uh, but I digress. Um, I see it as a peacekeeper. Like, it, it's, it's weird to say that, but I don't do it to start a fight. I do it to be part of it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, like, I think um, just in general, like, when I'm talking about, like, power and stuff like that, right? Um, I think power generally comes from within, right? Like, uh, when I rock climb, I kind of do very, very much similar things. Like, um, I control my body, you know, I'm going to fall by my own will or by gravity's <laughs> will. Nothing else is going to stop me from that. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's pulling me off the wall or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's a very interesting feeling. Um, and that's why I think climbing has been such a, 
such a healing process for me now because when my mind was not when my mind wasn't in control anymore and I only had my body and like just random thoughts of like what am I going to do if I can't remember who I am um, I had to kind of look for what what in my past that I did have because one of the rituals that I've had since I was 16 was to write in a journal for 15 days a day uh, every day I wrote in a journal for the last 16 years I still do it uh, whether I do it on my phone or whether I do it in a heart journal I still do it so coming up with what what happened in my day it's throughout the last 16 years hasn't been that hard I know who I was um, now who am I right answering that question of where am I going who what do I do now that you know I don't know who I am kinda I've lost the compass how do I find the map um, so the, the yeah. interesting thing yeah. if I may interject here is that's so powerful like who you were and who you are yeah. and uh, something I've been playing with because I didn't want to dry fire this morning for those of you that don't know about shooting, is uh, dry fire is practicing the mechanics of um, drawing the weapon from the holster to presentation, meaning you're ready to shoot a target without ammunition. So it's dry and the range is cold, if you will. Um, there's no threat of a bullet or anything hitting and impacting something and potentially harming. So you're just working with the the tool, right, aka weapon, um, and going through the motion so that when you do come time to present and live fire, you can do that um, with a certain level of competency as well as accuracy. Um, I really didn't want to today, even though it's deep down what I want, but the transition to it, that bridge over into that, what I've been doing is creating a mental, um, it's called mental management system, and it's coming up with a present tense declaration of who I am. So I am a uh, tactical athlete, as I say, who um, who sticks with her training and nutrition plan, for example. Uh, last month, my um, directive affirmation was, I am a constantly improving shooter mm -hmm. uh, who can meet any goal. So then my actions would reflect that. So I asked myself, I'm a okay, what would a tactical shooter do or a tactical athlete do? Well, she would motherfucking get up before she had breakfast, dry fire, just do it. The moment I slung uh, my, my weapon over my body, I was in the moment. I was in the zone. That's why when I teach yoga, which is kind of ironic transition there, but when I teach yoga, I said, guys, the hardest part literally is to get your ass on that mat. That's it. The rest is easy. Just like rock climbing. Yeah. The moment you put your harness on, the moment you strap in, the moment you walk through the doors is easy. But getting there, that transition point is hard because we're still in our head. Right, we're thinking it, but we haven't translated that to action. And until it translates to action, we're stuck there. That's why, um, for me, I was stuck in my, in my own trauma, in my own misery, for almost four years. Um, because I was reliving that narrative that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't desirable, I wasn't loved, I wasn't beautiful enough, I wasn't any of those things. I wasn't good enough, period. And uh, I can contemplate suicide, you know, I didn't value myself. And that reflected in my relationships, you know, like certain people I engage in, I'm like, 
um, side off of that, someone sent me this beautiful story of um, this girl who got a car, a used car for her 16th birthday. And her father said, I got this car for you a while ago, and so it's old. Why don't you take it in to see how much it's worth? So she took it into this inner city dealership and they said, hey, we'll give you $1,000 for it. He's like, okay, now take it to a used car dealership out in the suburbs, right? And they said, we'll give you a hundred. It requires so much work and, you know, it's a really old car. And then uh, finally he said, now, one more place I want you to take it to. Take it to a car club, a classic car club, and see how much you can get for it. So she signed up with a car club and took it to one of their meetings and um, one of the people there offered $100,000 for that car. It's like, man, this is such a rare and priceless vehicle. It, it's worth way more. The moral of the story is it's not that anyone's perception of us is wrong. It's just it's not what we want. Right? You can sell that car. We can take that car for a hundred, a thousand, or a hundred thousand dollars. Right? Yeah. So I just realized in most current days, I'm worth a hundred thousand in this example. Right? Yeah. But I treated myself like the hundred. Sometimes I treated myself as a thousand, but I never treated myself above that. I always thought that other people were worth more than I. Like I was just nothing. And. Yeah, and that's why I'm you know, going back to full circle. It's like, well, at the end of the day, we have to see our own worth. And however other people perceive us is nothing to do with that worth. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, it this has nothing to do with cars and definitely no guns. Uh, but uh, I just saw a movie uh, from Disney uh, called Encanto. What is it? Encanto. It's, uh, it means like miracle. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Uh, definitely should watch it. It's definitely feel-good stuff. Okay, is it recent? Uh, yeah, it's very recent. Is oh. it animation? Yes. <gasps> Gotta see it. Uh, but they have this really, really strong, like, sister in it, right? Uh, one of the main characters, she has a sister, the middle sister. She's super strong, and uh, that's her, like, miracle, right? She strength. Um, and she starts losing her gift of strength. Uh, so she thinks that that's her, her gift of strength is the only reason why people like her. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for the decade, you know, I was, I had to put like this facade that I was this Marine, that I was so hard that nothing affected me and stuff like that. Um, when in reality, behind closed doors, like my partners that I had been with and stuff like that could see me just building up barriers um, and I, I think it's more, you know, the people close to you are likely to see what you think you're worth mm -hmm. than, uh, what other people from afar, from afar, you know, um, been pretty accomplished. Uh, I've had great jobs, you know, uh, made my, good money, made good money, was married to a great person, you know, um, Rizzo. <laughs> yeah, now divorced. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things that um, I was never satisfied. And I don't think I was ever going to be satisfied because um, I didn't know what my worth was. So um, I could never believe that I was loved. Um, and that's 
partially why my marriage fell apart because uh, they loved me, but I didn't love yourself. I didn't love myself, and I didn't that's know. So powerful, right? Yeah, I didn't know. Um, I didn't feel lovable, you know, and that's kind of a weird, kind of a weird sentence, like when you feel like you can't be loved. I, you know, it, it, I bet it's more common than not, unfortunately. I think we all actually have common ground. Yeah. We really do. And I even believe that this pandemic, what it's, in my opinion, even though it looks divisive, I actually think we have baseline similarities. I think we all stem from the same fear and hurt and, uh, you know, wanting to belong. Um, I've been playing with going against what I'm comfortable with, you know, um, I'm not used to, so until it becomes a new habit and pattern, it, it's still kind of, it's going to still eat up bandwidth. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's fine. I want it to face you actually. <laughs> the mic. I'm not yeah. worried about Rizzo. I'm Rizzo's fine. Too. But, um, the chewing of the thing is, him. yeah, it's, it's totally cool. We love it. Yeah. We love doggies. Right, um, so darling, sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, but um, yes, uh, I think one of the things that's so terrifying about letting someone in is you, eventually we can't hide anymore. Like even okay, the hide the hiding the hide, like yeah, hiding the hidden, like then that that will be shown. Like and you were saying, the walls, right? You're hiding behind those walls against your partner. Right, and I think that's where sex comes into right, because um, it's, oh, supposed, to be, it's so supposed to be the most intimate thing that you can share with someone. And I think um, I've had a very, very bad experience of uh, sex and uh, multiple bad experiences of sex, and that's been such a hard thing to do because, like, I've dated beautiful women, I've I've married a very smart woman, mm-hmm. um, you know, I. I've gone on dates, I've, like, I can play the game, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when it comes down to the relationship part, and I, I, we've spoken about this, I'm not ready to have a relationship with anyone because, uh, not that I'm emotionally unavailable, it's just that I'm still learning how to be in a relationship with myself and that intimacy, right? Um, I don't necessarily necessarily feel like I can share that with anybody uh, that I don't necessarily trust. And trust is... It's huge. Would would we argue that maybe trust ourselves before? Yeah, I think so. And I think when I had that breakup, and it, I want to take accountability of I didn't um, know how to hold a line because I didn't trust that my line was right. That you respected? Well, I didn't know if my line was appropriate. Like, was I asking too much? You know, um, I didn't know if I would lose my partner if I held the line. So even though I defined my boundaries, um, I didn't hold it. So when it was crossed, um, I just didn't know what to do. And I was starting to go through stages of passive aggressiveness. Um, I was feeling claustrophobic, you know, just all these different things um, that ensued. And uh, I would say I needed to go through all of it, Pat. Like, I needed to understand um, the shadows. I needed to... Oh, my God. We need to have a part two. Yeah, we do. So we... We're running at 47. Yeah, we're we're cool. Like, I mean, fuck, Joe Rogan does three, four-hour podcasts. So I'm not worried about that. But 
I, I want to say this for another podcast because there's there's a layer here that I think people could really benefit from hearing about. And this is about where I am today and why I've never felt better. And this is a timing thing yeah. too. So I can relate to what you're saying, like I want to work on myself before I get with a partner. What I would say with that is it's always a work in progress. We're never done. Oh, that's exactly what my job coach said today. You're not going to get to that perfect version of Pat that you're now ready for a a partner. So my job coach just uh, (laughs) a couple hours before saying this, uh, he was like, you're so well prepared. So many many people want to hire you. Why don't you just uh, take a leap? And I think now that same feeling has kind of gone over to my professional life. And I never thought it would do that, but now it has. So I need to get over it. So no, a hundred percent will bleed over because it's still part of you. Yeah, it it's definitely needs to be a part. I too. just, you know, what you before you came over, I was working on bougie boondock. Right, I'm going to put together bougie bougie. Bougie boondock is my candle line. And um, I'm not. What is he after over there? Oh, you have little tennis balls right here. Oh yeah, can you grab it for him? Yeah. <laughs> he smelled them Two a mile of away. Them. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So sorry. <laughs> no worries. We we love dogs. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, bougie, I've been bougie. avoiding working on bougie boondog. It's yeah. my homemade soy candles, and uh, I just put together a Valentine Valentine's Day special. As you can see, I have my product laid out there. I love to, it. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why am I waiting? It's the same thing. Waiting for someone to save me. And yeah. I'm like, you know what, Virginia, fucking just do it. Is it validation too? Because I feel like I need validation. So that's it is an alter- external validation. The thing is, Pat, no one will ever give us the right amount of validation that we will ever feel whole or happy. And this is always going to be a work in progress. But you know what? Letting someone in before we think we're quote unquote perfect is the most optimal time. Because guess what? What if you, you're finished, Pat? You're finished working on yourself. I'm dead. And if then I'm finished, you're, I'm dead. you're dead and you're alone. Why not go on a ride, this crazy ride with someone, and figure it out together? Um, I think... You know why it's scary as fuck, dude. <laughs> I, think, I think there's there's the trust, right? I have I have Rizzo, and, I, and it's kind of weird you mentioned that, like, because I've told you, like... Um, I don't feel comfortable in necessarily having a relationship now, but I I love this dog. This dog is like you my, have a relationship with this him. This is this is like all I need, and and that's okay too. It sounds kind of crappy, but like, what happens when Rizzo dies? Like, am I just gonna go into this deep depression? Like, I have like I've had like some sessions with my therapist that I'm sure my therapist like is like, why are you getting caught on the what if? I'm like. Because the what if it gets sooner and sooner and sooner every day. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the funny part, right? Like, uh, whether you're with someone uh, or you just share companionship, like, with your dog, like, sooner, at the end of the day, you're still alone. Yeah. So with it's or without weird. someone, yeah. I realize, like, I know there's someone that I, I see myself with, um, but he's not here right now. Yeah. Right, and I had to reconcile that. But while I was going through that process, I gained like ten pounds. <laughs> I was eating my emotions, like I was stuffing my face to fill the void. And um, you know, people look at me. I'm like, but you're so fit. I'm like, dude, it's nothing to do with that. It's more of the mental processes and emotional processes that I was either 
like wallowing in and not processing. And that just goes back to, can I accept that I may not be with anyone? Can I accept that I may be with someone? It goes back to the what ifs. Well, shit. Like, I was just tired of not moving. Like, you know, one of the most important things about survival in the military when you're in active, live gunfire, gunfighting, is mobility. Yeah. Right? You got to move. Movement is life. Right? Well, it depends on the situation. But generally... You have cover, right? Right. If you... You have cover. Yeah. Cover and concealment is Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't have this, you better move your ass. Right? And then the rule of thumb is you movement is life. Well, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, Using that, like, my cover and concealment right now is Rizzo. Like, um, I use Rizzo uh, to kind of navigate people. Like, to let me know if they're safe or not. If Rizzo bark well, He safe. fucking loves me. So you know I'm safe. Yeah, but if Rizzo <laughs> was to bark at you and not like you, like I'd be like... I'd take a second. It'd take a second. And I, and I feel like that's kind of unfair, but not really because it's my dog. Uh, so it, <laughs> well, he's an extension of you, right? Yeah, and, and I feel like um, I've not had the best judgments in the past with people. Like, I... And I now know that that's... Not necessarily because uh, it's my fault. It's also the fact that some people are just shitty. Some people just are They're really in their good process. Yeah. They're in their process, you know? But you don't have to be involved with it. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, right? Like, I have to accept the fact, like, it's not the fact that I'm dumb. It's the fact that I just didn't know them that well. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. We'll definitely talk about trust and relationships. In so um, would love to reconvene this, yeah. um, Pat, and you guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, we're going to do a part two with this. I yeah. feel like we got something more to go on. And the, the thing I want us to launch off of for next week is definitely want to talk about your grandmother. She sounds badass. Uh, metal spot and then second is about how we reconcile with our darkness how do we know when we're in it and how darkness can be for good versus evil like I'll, I'll I, I definitely experienced that most recently I can't wait to impart that experience with you guys I'm very interested in that also because Valentine's Day is coming up it's definitely uh, if anybody else is single I'm sure uh, they're reaching that point of Will I find someone? Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Relationships and all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for listening in. Guys, um, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, hey, like us on Spotify, iTunes, all that. But um, I have not yet uploaded this <laughs> to those platforms yet. But you can find this recording. Uh, share a recording through virginialongyoga.com right now. That's where the home of Coffee po- um, Coffee Plus podcast resides until further notice. And thank you all. Um, you can find me on social media uh, via my candle business right now, which is at Bougie Boondock, uh, B-O-U-J-E-E, Boondock, B-O-O-N-D-O-C-K. I do have a website for that as well. So, um, Pat, do you want to be found? Uh, maybe or, later. Okay, uh, all right. No worries. No pressure. No pressure. But if anything, let me see. Uh, what is my handle? Um, oh, it's GPAT17. That was pretty simple. It's GPAT17. Oh, yeah, GPAT177. Yeah, yeah okay. at Instagram. Okay, cool. Well, thank you guys, and um, listen in for part two coming soon. Yay. Bye.
Well, hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm laughing at myself already. Welcome to Coffee Plus, which is a candid combo of the mind, body, and spirit to help you optimize your life force energy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Virginia, and I've been teaching yoga since 2005, movement, mobility, and meditation since 2016. And I'm Jose. I've been, I'm owner and operator of Bikram Yoga, or no. We're gonna have to edit that. No, I love it. Keep it. Okay, Keep so it's it. not. Yeah, unedited. It's not Can't All right, it. fine. That's fine. Um, owner operator of Beyond Hot Yoga. We changed our name uh, over almost two years ago now. It used to be a Bikram because Studio, but it was such a scandal. But it is. It it, it was. It was a scandal. <laughs> but there is. It is still a hot yoga studio primarily, and I've been teaching since 2010. Since since 2010, and I also have a small juicing business and a clothing business called. Uh, well, the juicing business is Cold Harvest, and the clothing business is uh, Karma Revolution, which you can find at the studio as well. Sweet. Okay, so as Jose said, he owns and teaches at Beyond Hot Yoga in Centerville, and I'm a paramedic, uh, or I'm in paramedic school, and I have a side hustle called Bougie Boondock Homemade Soy Candles, and I'm leaning towards specializing in sexy time candles. Wink, wink. So today, we're going to talk about the five love languages by Gary Chapman. So first of all, you can go online to fivelovelanguages.com to take his quiz to see where these love languages rank for you. Uh, mind you, this can also evolve as you do. So um, to quickly go over what the five love languages are, and we'll discuss like why that's important, Jose. Yeah. So the five love languages are quality time. Uh, let's see. Hold on one second. Pull up my picture here. <laughs> okay. It's a uh, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. So. I went online and took the quiz and um, almost neck and neck, I would say physical touch and quality time came in ahead. Then uh, acts, uh, words of affirmation followed by a very low percentage of acts of service and followed by single digit percentage in gifts. How about you, Jose? Uh, pretty much the same thing. Uh, top ones were touch and What's the second one? The quality, quality time. time. Yeah, mm -hmm. words of affirmation I think are important, but um, but the but the other two are are, are obviously more important. Uh, gifts are pretty low, and then the what's the fourth one? Acts of service. Acts of service. It's funny because when you guys take the test, uh, it's a little bell, like a like a bellhop bell. <laughs> right. Acts of service. Uh, that's the symbol for acts of service. So the um, reason why we're bringing this up is, you know, in terms of a whole idea behind uh, Coffee Plus is, um, you know, we want to increase this public conversation about mind, body, spirit to help you optimize your life force energy. So what is life force energy? In Sanskrit, it's prana, right? So the the force that flows through our being. And uh, with 2020, we've all experienced that on a global scale, um, how that affected us. And so we hope to optimize that for you guys now by just sharing our candid conversation. And I think like we all wanna be like heard, seen, 
feel like we're worth something, that we belong, a sense of belonging. And I think oftentimes we don't feel that way or our partner or our friends or family don't feel that way because there's a lot of miscommunication. And that's why this is called a love language. So it's like, if Jose, you speak Spanish, right? I do. Okay, I don't speak Spanish, but I speak Chinese. You now, do. we both speak English so we can communicate. Mm -hmm. Now, if you spoke Spanish to me and I spoke Chinese to you, are we gonna get anywhere? No. I would say maybe a little bit, school. yeah. Like we can hand it's, gesture, mm -hmm. we can like say you know this or like make facial expressions. Yeah, or, and especially if we're in the yeah. presence of one another, I yeah. think we could. Right. Um, but, well, absolutely. But if like you were over the over the phone or something it like that, it would just never happen. It would. It, wouldn't it would work. never happen. So everything would get lost. Not even translation because there is nothing being translated. Mm -hmm. And so this leads us to talking about the five love languages. So for this podcast in particular today, we're going to go over words of affirmation. <clears throat> so when you first heard that, what did you think that meant? Words of affirmation for me um, means word of, words of support, right? Mm -hmm. So supportive words that help uplift you, uh, you know, when you're going about your day. Now, uh, that for, for me, it's very important to, for people to, to uh, give you words of affirmation that is important. But honestly, it's more important for myself to give myself words of affirmation. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Because, so, yeah. so because I don't really personally, I don't really seek um, the validation. So I'm nonconformist, right? So I'm a very nonconformist person. I usually don't do what people, what norm, normal people do. So I don't um, typically. It's not important for me to uh, to hear words of affirmation, even though my quiz said different. <laughs> Um, actually, no, or though because I don't you were right so. in the middle. That was actually half of your top, top two Yeah. in percentage-wise, mm -hmm. right? It ranked like 50% below yeah. your top two, actually. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And so <clears throat> so it is important to hear it from other people. Well, maybe not to, yeah, mine was. Yeah, I. Mm -hmm. but I also think that it's um, important to give yourself those words of affirmation um, on a daily basis. Uh, I, I try to put more weight on... Um, you know, because a lot of people self-sabotage or um, or uh, beat themselves down on a daily basis. I've seen that. Like self-deprecation? Yeah. And, no self-esteem? Right. Mm -hmm. And so if like if you're stuck in that circle, even words, from affirma words of affirmation from the outside um, won't have as much of an impact um, on you if, if you can't, you know, give, you, give yourself the up those uplifting words. So that makes me think about in our um, age of social media, mm -hmm. <coughs> social government. Anyway, that. <laughs> well, that's why decentral. That's why that's why decentralized um, versions of all that stuff are going to come out. Hopefully, soon. yeah. So we look at the likes, the followers, and all that as validation. And you know, as a nonconformist, and I like to consider myself rogue. Um, I don't follow the path usually. I go off on my merry way, and if I meet people of like mind, then we somehow do find each other, you know? Um, but this isn't just about preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. It is about what you said about self-affirmation, like, you know, over um, 
talk over the the the, the negative voices, the ones that keep us uh, small mm-hmm. and keep us down. And when we self-validate, when we self-affirm, that's helping us build ourselves up brick by brick. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but by self-affirming, um, we then could have the gumption to move forward. Now, with words of affirmation from a healthy place, that can be like the mortar in the brick. You know what that I'm saying? That is true, yeah. So I think it's a bit of a no, symbiotic relationship, like the brick and mortar to build this this vision or dream or manifest. When we have the two combined, it's sort of say, okay, it is received. It is acknowledged you know Mm -hmm. so then because we're not only doing this for ourselves we're actually self-affirming for others that means like our well is overflowing and so that then we are able to share and what are what exactly are we sharing is it something that people want but it's it's we're still grounded in ourselves does that make sense yeah yep yeah so i think that for example, if someone bought your shirt or bought your bought your cold pressed juice, that's you know, and they come back and say, "Wow, I really loved your juice. It tasted great, and I felt great." That's kind of a word of affirmation, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and that's reaffirming that what you're making is a viable product that's mm-hmm. provided that is a benefit. Right. That's I think in terms of word of affirmation, or let's just say. You know, you're new to yoga practice, right? You have a client coming in and um, they just started, but you see them really tackle it, right? They mm-hmm. come in consistently, they're killing it, but let's just say they're they're not very flexible. Uh, maybe they, they have a couple LBs to lose. And you go up to this person and say, hey man, um, I could see you're working really, really hard and I think you're doing a great job. That, in my opinion, yeah, is an example of word of affirmation, which can then encourage them to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like a symbiotic thing because yeah. it's it's up to them to come in mm-hmm. and prove. You know, that takes self discipline, but that little bit of stoking the fire helps that fire blaze. Yeah. No, I I think that's what makes the difference between um, right. Like a good a good instructor is is a good instructor. Like they'll 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 teach the class in, in a in, in a good way. But um, but yeah, also just encouraging the students. No matter, yeah, no matter if if like they're doing everything right. I mean, what's right or wrong anyway? And, and I guess that's subjective. But um, but yeah, even even if they're not doing the postures the right way, you <clears throat> encourage them to move. Um, you know, to keep going. I, I always read it by energy because I don't expect anyone yeah. to get that form down pat on their first day. It depends, right? Some people come in with a movement background, mm-hmm. they pick up very quickly. Right. But there's always something to learn on a macro or micro level. Oh, yeah, always. And uh, so if I send someone, so for example, way back when I had my studio, which was just simply last year, mm-hmm. I did a yoga teacher training the year prior to that. And I had um, this one student come up to me and say, hey, you know, I've only been practicing yoga for like, what, six months or something, Mm -hmm. but I I wanted to ask you if you think it's too early for me to take this teacher training. And I said, so what do you want to learn from this teacher training, Mm -hmm. number one? She's like, I just wanted wanted to help grow my practice and eventually share with my community. She's Korean and, you know, she hoped to teach a Korean oh, yeah. spoken yoga class, cool. which is very populated in this area. 
and I think it can really help people out. Uh, and I said, to be honest with you, you have a very dedicated practice. You come in consistently. You're picking up things and you're applying it. You're mm-hmm. a good listener. You're coachable, and you um, you are physically, mentally, and emotionally mature to move forward on this. I think would be a great fit. So she took the training, she did great, she learned a lot, and it actually accelerated her physical practice and it helped her understand the more subtle limbs of yoga beyond asana, which is the postures. And uh, she's probably one of my strongest students now currently. Oh, right, wow. In my Virginia Long Yoga right. side hustle. So uh, I recognize the energy behind it now. So when someone comes in, and they're uncoachable, like they think they already know everything, or they're inconsistent with their practice and their attendance, and I can tell they're not putting in the work. That's that's where, you know, I can't really support that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're gonna present what it is. So then, will is constructive criticism a type of word of affirmation? Probably not. It's a different animal altogether you're not getting any sort of affirmation right in fact it's going to be a critique you know but i think going back to social media and whatnot we crave that instant gratification that instant validation that if it takes work and discipline you we're not going to expect that Mm -hmm. easily you know what i mean yeah so i'm curious for people who take the quiz who get that higher ranking you know, yeah. and um, anyone listening in on this podcast, please share your love languages in, you know, your top two or, you know, the whole thing and why you think that is like, what is it that you seek from your partner, your friends, your family, coworkers? Yeah. And it's going to be different too, right? So like these are love languages which have to do with uh, words of affirmation with regards to your your partner, right? Or yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, like because there, I think right? yeah, there's a difference I think between um, that and and you know words of affirmation from either a coworker or or like your yoga teacher or things like that, mm-hmm. um, a superior or some sort. Yeah, so that's definitely expert. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's probably a little. Well, let's bit different. let's go into that because I think that's one of the reasons why we really want to make this candid is to talk about um, our partners. You know, mm-hmm. if we're in a relationship of of an intimate tie, type, how how do we want to show up for them in terms of words of affirmation? Yeah, no, it's I, I think um, in terms of like a relationship, I think <clears throat> it's I think it's important to have for me, like my profile suggested, for me it's more important to have uh, touch. Mm-hmm. And quality time. And quality time um, above words of affirmation. I, I don't know. Like, if I would think about it, I would think quality time and words of affirmation are probably the same. Mm. But... Um, one is nonverbal. Yeah. And one is verbal. Yeah. But touch is definitely up there. And, um, yeah, so I think I think it's important. I think it's it's important to, um, to show on different levels um, your support for for your partner. So how do, so more specifically, like what does, what's an example, what are examples of words of affirmation for your partner? So like for me, like for me, it's always, it's always um, acknowledging 
like the things that are that are done right like either like around the house or for me personally or I don't like gifts a lot but um but like if, even if gifts are given like I you know I I acknowledge them and I con and, and I will definitely make sure to um to to acknowledge that they're they're thoughtful gifts right instead of um instead of instead of just like saying thank you and just putting it aside or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah. So being like articulate a little bit more about something, going a little further, like an emphasis or something. Yeah, I I, I think I think or words of affirmation. Yeah, and like you were saying, I think just words of affirmation definitely just um, build the foundation of a stronger relationship. I think it's like mortar. Going back to the brick and mortar analogy, I really yep. like that because my example would be if he said. I appreciate you or I know I haven't given you the time you deserve it's sort of like that acknowledgement mm -hmm. um, in the glue you know for the pieces to come together another one would be for example um, uh, you know you look really beautiful in that dress today mm -hmm. you know just acknowledging the work that I put into um, be the way I am right now mm -hmm. it's sort of like hey I'm confirming that you know you put effort into putting yourself together mm -hmm. another example though who's not my partner is a kind of a stranger an acquaintance I guess at my favorite coffee shop this guy is always so dapper he's just put together from head to toe and one time I said you know hey dude like I have to say I, I really love how you put your look together. It, it's clear that you put time and energy into it, mm -hmm. and I really appreciate it. Yeah. And you know what he said? He's like, oh my God, that means so much to me that you said that. He wasn't looking for validation from me, right. certainly not, but the fact that I was able to recognize it and speak to it, he appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. It's ni that's nice to especially hear it from somewhere that's um, not expected. Yes, right. So that's nice. Yeah, uh, and I meant it wholeheartedly. When I see something mm -hmm. like that, I'll speak to it. You know, um, the other day I was at a camp, and one of the vendors, I'm like, "Wow, you just have the most beautiful eyes, and I feel like you have this genuine soul that I could see behind it." So part of it was aesthetic, but mm -hmm. it was a lot of energy that I really felt from the person. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, that's nice, yeah. And so another example in terms of business, talking about the coffee shop, um, you know, we are, my sister and I are big fans of their butterscotch lattes. Mm -hmm. And I said, <laughs> um, I am taking a butterscotch latte to my sister in the next state over. Because right. she loves your coffee so, so much. much and is consistent. It has great taste, it's not too sweet, it has a great texture to it. And you know, we appreciate the time and effort that you you put into building this one of a kind yeah. drink. You know? I'll have to try and that. That was like, yeah, you should. It's super sweet though. <laughs> That's why I say only one pump. But neither here nor there. But the you know, they really appreciated that because they created a product yeah. to please others, right? They and it came from a place of love, and I could taste it. When someone puts that time and energy in putting themselves together, there's some love for their themselves. Oh yeah, there, definitely. You know? Yeah, even. Mm -hmm. And what? How do we feel when someone just kind of strolls out in like 
sloppy everything you know mm-hmm. <laughs> they haven't kept themselves up you know it's like today I decided to spruce up a little bit with you know an off-the-shoulder sweater skinny jeans and a little booty heel is it over nope okay <laughs> I love this first podcast I can't wait to listen back mm-hmm. back you know when we've done this for like our hundredth podcast mm-hmm. anyhow um yeah I, I think when we put in that kind of effort it, it's it means something and when our mm-hmm. partner does something like that, like for example, Jose say like I make you dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And you can tell I put in some extra touches. It's not a microwave yeah. dinner. Yeah. Know? It's like I baked this this bread mm-hmm. <laughs> from scratch. You're like, wow, mm-hmm. I can really taste the love in this. Thank you so yeah, you much. Can. Or it's like, you know, I really love how fragrant this is, or it's texture, you did a great presentation. Whatever the case is, that level of acknowledgement, and that becomes a word of affirmation, yeah. you know, to attest to the love or to the gift, right? Because gift, acts of service, and all that is like kind of intertwined. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah, no, I think you can definitely uh, taste, sense, um, appreciate Mm-hmm. the the love or the uh, passion that's put into making things like your candles too <laughs> <laughs> my bougie boondock candles everybody, you can totally everybody loves smell her candles. it I know thank you so um, I love making it they actually stepped it out of baking believe it or not folks because I am a badass baker <laughs> and I started baking like crazy over COVID 2020 gained 10 pounds because I had to sample everything well, I'd lost it but anyway um, but I'm like what can I do that still exhibits the same skill set it's an art and a science it's not gonna make and you candles I can't eat candles dude <laughs> <laughs> not yet but um, <clears throat> I enjoy it and I think when people buy my candles they can sense the love that I put into it they're small batch um, the fragrance is all toxic, toxin free. You mm-hmm. know, I put into those efforts, and you know, presentations important to me, uh, and all that good stuff. So there's a lot of love behind it. And when I taught yoga, and I teach yoga, there's love behind that too. And that's why mm-hmm. when I went from teaching 60, 80 people in my class to 10, 20, mm-hmm. I did that consciously because I wanted to touch each individual. Right. You know, give them that that sense. And when I get that feedback through either Yelp or whatever, or even in person, it sort of reaffirms the love that I'm giving out in a verbal sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah, you should actually burn those candles while you're teaching class, maybe. I have. You have you? Uh Uh-huh. I have a... Or some of, or whatever. One that's zen. It's funny because I do a Zoom as well as in-person class, and I... And uh, they, one of my students, she bought a candle from me. She's like, I always burn your candle. I love that. While you, she's taking class. That's a good idea. Yeah. That could be like a, um, a gift that they get. I like to burn my candle. I know this is probably not kosher, but I'll burn a candle, take my dog for a walk, come back, and I can really get a good whiff. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And it, it gives me a sense of calm, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like a hug. And yeah, I love it. That's nice. So do you have anything else to add, Jose, about this this topic? I'm excited about mm-hmm. the next pillar, one of the other love languages, because this is kind of dead center for both of us. Mm-hmm. It didn't rank high and it didn't rank super low. It's sort of like, yeah, it'd be nice to get that validation, yeah. but it's not primary and it's not dead last. Yeah, so 
words of affirmation, like I was saying, are very important, especially to hear from other people. But um, I think it's also very important to give yourself words of affirmation so that... I think that's the launching point, right? Yeah, but for some... me, for me, that's important because you, what right? I see... And it's just... It's, it's, the, it's also what I see around me. There's, um, you know... You know, I have I have a lot of students and I have a lot of teachers and I have a lot of people around me. And a lot of the times, um, you know, people depend a little bit too much. I, I wouldn't, on I don't know about you, on other, other, other people's opinions or, you know, other people to make them happy. And I think it's really important. Of course, you have your partner and I think that's very important. I think that your partner needs to be um, sensitive and even, you know, in tune with the fact that, you know, words of affirmation are important. But... Mm. But I think that, um, you know, just as important are those words mm. that you give yourself so that you can mm. uplift yourself and and not self-sabotage and, um, and you know, have a firm, found, firm base and foundation even before you, you, you have other people um, mm-hmm. give you those words of affirmation as well. Okay, so I think we're going to start to wrap things up. And, um, you know, Jose and I shared our love languages, and we hope that um, when you all explore your own, that uh, you can really look into decoding how we relate to ourselves as well as our loved ones and the world at large. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and found it a benefit. Now let's go and optimize our life. You can find Jose at beyondhotyoga.com and you can find me at bougieboondock.com or virginialongyoga.com. But I would highly encourage you to check out those candles. Have a great day, you guys. Okay, Until bye. Until next time. Until ciao. the next time. Bye.